Hello, and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trimble, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from the Executive Pill, and <laughs> you know what it is. Today is a good day. Today, I have not not only just uh, I would say if that's cool, like family and in front of the family, um, just an awesome individual. See, Mr. Mark Christopher Lawrence is an international headliner that has worked with the likes of Sinbad, uh, Jerry Springer, Roger Dangerfield, and Fe- Jeff Foxworthy. Ooh. <laughs> got me excited, as well as having headlined in clubs and colleges all over the U.S. and Canada. He has appeared and had lead roles in box office blockbuster and films and theater and, and television shows and commercials. The man does it all without any further ado. How you doing today, kind sir? I'm great. How you doing, Alex? Man, I can't call it. <laughs> that, that, that was me putting on my, my old um, Black person, like, thing. I'm, I'm trying to get my acting together. Now, old, old, old black person would say, hey, look here, young man. I, if, I had your, if I had your hand, I'd throw mine in. <laughs> so look, this this is about to be a good time. This is about to, we have to have a good time today. Um, you know, I, I, you got me going. We, we were just chatting before we got rolling about comedy and, and how you got your start in comedy. And funny enough, you know, I do a lot of this public speaking the where I learn to to be a more interactive speaker is by watching comedians. So I'd mm. love to hear about like how did you get into stand-up comedy and just like and where did that take you? Well, you know, first of all, I had a I, I was on the debate team in at my high school at Dominguez High School in Compton. And Mrs. Schilling got me involved in speech and, and debate and she introduced me to a guy, Perry Brents, who went through the same high school and through her her speech class and she had him uh, coach me in one of my speeches and he thought I was funny and said that I should do some comedy and then uh my my best friend who's like a brother uh Lennon your uncle uh he and I started putting together a, a little act as a comedy team and um the first time you know we went on stage Perry looked at us before we went on and helped us iron out some of the wrinkles and get it going and then um after we went on stage he put me on one of his shows at USC, which was, uh, I believe those shows were called um, Evening of Soul. So that was my first foray into comedy. Well, well I really wanted to ask you about it, because I think everyone who's seen the, the movie The Joker, um, the, the, the new version of the Joker movie, um, mm-hmm. he loves comedy. And he, he wants to be a comedian. And he gets on the stage and he's excited. And he bombs. Yeah, and, and I asked this question specifically because so many people who are listening right now want to do something great in their careers. They want to 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 excel up the leadership ranks, but they're worried about failure. And I think there's no other person who can speak on this than someone who's done stand up comedy because it is hard. Listen, I mean, even even in business, I mean, you talk to billionaires and they'll tell you that they didn't become a billionaire right out of the box. You know, they had to have some failures to grow. It's like you, 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 you 
my first time on stage, I was funny. However, I didn't really have a set, you know. So so it wasn't until I got to college that that I started realizing how to put together a set and how to you know grow it. And 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 that's the thing. It's like where most people fall flat and bomb the first time out, they don't know what they're gonna say. You need to know what you're going to say before you get on that stage and say it as if it's the funniest thing anybody has ever heard, even if even if it's not. <laughs> you know, swagger is ninety percent of. But but so no no look I'm, I'm I think you 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 misspoke um, because everyone I talk to says that in order to be in order to be really engaging when you're when you're talking and speaking. It all has to be off the top of your head. You can't practice because then you then you'll sound fake. What, what what do you mean? So so don't take that advice if you're trying to be a comic. You <laughs> need to know the joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> like 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 some jokes will pop into my head in the middle of the night while I'm sleeping, and if I don't wake up and write that joke down verbatim, it's never quite right. Um, some jokes I'm I'm more of a storyteller, so some jokes um are right out of my life, so I know the story. So I don't have to write the story out, but as as I'm doing the bit, sometimes something new that colors it a little differently will pop out. I got to write that down so that I remember to put it in the next time. You know, so so yeah, I mean, part of it comes off off the top of your head, but the, the I think the I think the magic trick is to make it seem like it all is just coming off of top of your head. I, I look. I I know. Look, you're 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 the famous one. You're you're the one who you, you've been in movies such as The Pursuit of Happiness. You've been in movies such as one of my favorites. Actually, I was talking to my mentor before we jumped on. Right now, I was like, he he was in Tales from the Hood. She's like, oh, do you remember that? I'm like, yes, I remember that Tales from the Hood. Well, like, if you haven't watched it, it's a scary movie. But watch it. Like, <laughs> I I I I want to say that you're there's so much agreement right here because. Whether you're in comedy, whether you are a public speaker like myself, whether you are in leadership and you're within an organization about to give a presentation, um, I have found that it is almost never a great idea to go into these situations unpracticed. Um, and like you said, the magic is practiced to a point where you feel so comfortable doing it that it, it that people think it's just off the top of your head. Yeah. Well. 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 And, and also, like, like if you know it so well, if you know the material so well, um, one. It's going to come off as if you're talking off the top of your head unless you just put it on automatic pilot. And two, you can go off on a tangent in the middle of it and get right back to where you were when you got off the tangent, when you went on the tangent. And that's that's the beauty of it. For me, it's like the more I'm on stage, the easier it is. I'm not thinking about, okay, what part is next? What part is next? Mm -hmm. while, I'm, while I'm working. Um, and if something happens in the audience that allows me to go and mine some comedy out of that, I can do that and then get right back to where I was. If you're a manager in the federal government, do you have Feds Protection Professional Liability Insurance? Because if you don't, you need to get it. Having a Feds policy means that you will be protected against any professional capacity lawsuit, administrative action, or criminal investigation arising from actions taken in the scope of your employment. This insurance is a must-have for federal managers and starts at just $209 a year. Plus, your agency will reimburse you for half of this cost. To learn more, visit www.fedsprotection.com or call 866-955-3337 today. <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you mentioned um, 
you mentioned your when you were in college, and I, I know that you know just from doing some research, your first professional theater experience was doing um, Anthony and Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. And in the interview I saw of you talking about it, um, you talked about how 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 much that experience helped you grow as an actor. I, I love to just kind of hear your, your, your thoughts on that, your story. Absolutely. I, you know, first of all, you had some awesome actors in the play, which was directed by Sir Tony Richardson. Um, the, the, uh, dialect coach was, um, uh, I can't remember his name, Richard. Ah, it's, oh, it's escaping me. But, but his, his father was famous, a famous actor. Um, you had, John Goodman in the show. You had C.C.H. Pounder in the show. You had Rosalind Cash, uh, who she and I became great friends. She she was just a beautiful person. Uh, uh, you had Mitch Ryan, who had been around for years and years. All of these amazing actors in this in this play. And I'm in college and working with seasoned pros. And uh, literally, my my acting took a leap by the by the end of that run. You know, it was a it was a, a four week rehearsal process, uh, two weeks of of tech and previews, and then a six week run. And by the end of that, man, my, my acting acting you know was above and beyond where I was when I started, and the confidence that came from it. And you know, when I was back in class, you could see it. You could see that I had sort of outgrown some of my classmates. And and that's what I was talking to a young woman the other day about, you know, she wanted to go to, to school. She wanted to go back to grad school. And we were, she was asking my advice on it. This, this is not a knock to anyone who goes to grad school. Okay. I went to grad school. I feel like they got a whole bunch of money out of me, but it's okay. It's okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave that alone. It's in the past. I'm getting over that, I'm getting over that trauma. Um, but what I, what I, what I share with her is like, you, you can definitely, definitely go to school. Sure. Great. Um, what I think is more important it's getting out there and actually doing it, mm-hmm. getting this experience, actually doing it. And if you can get yourself around people who are phenomenal, who are exceptional and do it, like you were talking about in your interview, like it, it elevated your, your acting ability because you, you had to find a way to elevate your acting ability to, to, to swim with these, these oh, it's like sharks, but these, these massive people in that industry, right? Mm-hmm. It forced you to grow. Yeah, absolutely. I I remember the first play that I saw uh, that wasn't like a church play, and it was Fences, and it was at the Schubert Theater in Century City. There was uh, James Earl Jones was playing the character that Denzel played in the movie. Uh, Mary Alice played the wife, Rose, um, and then uh, Courtney Vance played the young son who you know ha- has most of the stuff with his father in the play. You know that that terrible relationship. And um, the only people I remember from the play, you know, when I think about that play, because I, I, I've done the play since, and I played Gabriel in it. Um, I don't remember the character that played Gabriel. I I didn't remember Mary Alice, because James Earl Jones was such a formidable actor and presence on stage. He just swallowed people up. So I, the only people I really remembered as I thought back about the play I actually had to go and look up to see that that Mary Alice was in it. Um, but but I remember James and I remembered Courtney Vance because he held his own against in scenes with James. And then the brother that played Lions, I can't remember, I can't recall his name right now, but I remembered him because of his swagger, the way he would hit the stage, and <laughs> and he didn't just 
just get blown off stage by James. But um, but if if you don't grow while you're working, it'll happen. Mm, mm. You, you you made me think of an interview I saw with um with Little Wayne, and he, the, the the interview was talking about. He said, "Look, historically speaking, many rappers. Again, if you may not listen to rap, whatever, but you probably know the name Little Wayne, and you probably know the name um uh, Eminem, right? Mm-hmm. And so many rappers have been on songs with Eminem." And people basically say Eminem like outdid people on their own songs. Yeah. And one of those people who have not been outdone on their own song is is Lil Wayne. They said, "Hey, how does it feel for no one to say that you were outdone on your own song by by Eminem?" And he said, "Look, I went into this situation knowing that I knew how good he was, and I refused to be outdone on my own song. And so it made me work that much harder to make sure I brought it. And so it makes me think that that's what I'm hearing from you. It's like." If you if you're around these 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 massive individuals in your industries, if you if you want to be remembered, if you want to stand out, you've got to put in the work to to make sure you stand out. Absolutely, you got you got to watch and learn and grow. You, you, it's like you you get just as much from watching somebody do what you do, mm. especially if you feel like they are in a place uh, above where you are, skill wise, experience wise. You can learn stuff from them. Even if they're having a bad performance, you can learn, okay, that might not be the way to do it. Yeah. Yes. You know, because you'll see them come out the next night and do it differently and make it better. <laughs> That's so cool. You know, you, you, you talk about, you know, performances. And I want to let everyone know that, I mean, you said you know, bombing one night and then coming out the next night and doing it better. And I, I want to draw everyone's attention to you know, that's something that you, you've done before, Mark, uh, Chris. Um, you actually killed a man. And when you talked about it in one of your presentations, one, one of your talks, um, but you still you still have a great career. You've been in, you were in the Terminator 2. You were in Pursuit for Happiness. You're on these movies. So can you explain, can you just bring us all up to speed and how you killed a man and still kept your career going? So it, it, it wasn't a literal murder. <laughs> it was uh, it was a, it was a charity event in in a man at a mansion in in La Jolla, California, and uh, a couple hundred people in the side yard of this mansion. First of all, I was thinking, how much money you got? You get a couple hundred people in the side yard. <laughs> okay, man, I can barely get my trash cans in the side yard. <laughs> and um, so I'm I'm doing my act. There's there's four comics on the show. There's a band. You know, it's a huge stage back there, and I'm I'm. In the middle of my 45-minute act, I'm about 13 minutes in, and the host comes up and takes the mic, and he says, I'm sorry, Mark. And then he says, is there a doctor in the house? And what had happened was some guy sitting on the left side of the side yard was having so much fun that he had a heart attack and died. The lady sitting next to him said he was having so much fun that he just slumped over. And lucky for him, there were four doctors in the house. They all went to work on him, laid him out flat, you know, did what they had to do, resuscitated him. He woke up giggling. <laughs> I can't be responsible for your for, for your heart. I can't, you know. It, 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 the beauty of it was that was that other comics were there to see it. Yeah, yeah. So now I walk into a club. They go, you know, he's killer. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I I I have been wanting to ask you about that for so long. So I'm so glad that you allowed me to ask you about the show. Uh, you, I, 
I'm going to go a detour everyone really quickly. And again, I can do that because it's my show. Um, when I was doing my research, um, you know, I, I was looking and found some, you know, again, these huge figures that you've been on the stage with. Uh, and one of those people were uh, Jerry Seinfeld. Um, but as I read it over and over and over and I was preparing for today, um, it didn't click until like right before we came on today um, that it was Jerry Seinfeld. Um, what I was reading over and over and over was Jerry Springer. And I was like, oh, wow, like, I wonder what type of events he had done with Jerry Springer. You, you, you said Jerry Springer in the intro. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm like, <laughs> everyone, I met Jerry Seinfeld. I don't know why Jerry Springer is on my head. <laughs> I, I appreciate you not calling me out there, but now you're calling me out here, so it's okay. <laughs> So I did want to ask you, like, you know, what has been, again, you've done some phenomenal things. Um, you know, I actually, it's funny enough, I saw you on a commercial the other day, and I, I, as soon as I saw you, I was just laughing, like, it's so cool to, to see you just doing phenomenal things. Um, but what's, what's been your favorite experience? Like, what has, have you done that you were just like, wow, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy I was able to accomplish this. Several things. Um, Terminator 2 was like the first big blockbuster movie that I, that I was a part of. And, you know, that movie changed the way we watch movies because of the special effects. Um, the very, my very first audition, very first job was Hill Street Blues, which changed the way we watch television. You know, Hill Street Blues, all the cop shows today are sort of patterned after Hill Street Blues, because before that, they were kind of corny, like Dragnet and, you know, and, and, and Hill Street Blues changed the way cop shows are made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fear of a Black Hat, which is a, a, a rap spinal tap, you know, that that film, uh, Rusty, the way he works. He also wrote and directed uh, Tales from the Hood. Um, okay. Rusty came in every day and said, hey, we're going to shoot this like a mockumentary. He says, he says, um, this is a skeleton scene. This is these are the words we have to say to move the story. But do what you do. And he gave me that freedom and to have that kind of trust and freedom from a director to just go out and let her rip you know that that's invaluable because because now you're you're learning to give and take in a scene you're learning to also use the scripted words to move the story and uh and be funny at the same time and so you know that was was a highlight in my career um even though the movie was only released on like 10 screens nationwide you know it's one of the things that i get recognized from every day (laughs) <laughs> um, and then the George Went show uh, was like one of my first series that that actually went and um, uh, just working with George and that cast of characters, uh, Brian Doyle Murray, and Pat Finn, and Kate Hodge, you know, working with them, just the generosity and 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 watching pros work and 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 being in and among them and holding my own was fantastic. And then, you know, the last big series that I was on was. Um, Chuck, you know, it's five seasons and, you know, five seasons on a show like that, that has a rabbit fan base, you know, is, is really amazing. And, uh, I can't say enough about, you know, the, the generosity of Zach Levi, who, you know, is, is really becoming a superstar, (laughs) you know, before our eyes, he's an amazing dude to work with and, and kind and generous. Um, and then that whole creative crew uh-huh. you know, was was incredible to work with. And when I look back at all that stuff, yeah, it, it makes me it just makes me 
proud that I'm still at it. You know, it's been 37 years and I'm, I'm still at it. And I, and I know a lot of actors that have just stopped doing it because it was a struggle. And, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you right now, life is a struggle. You know, mm-hmm. working in this industry is a struggle. There are a lot of talented people in the world. And as, as you can see, you know, everybody is, is not going to blow up. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad to see that I'm still there. I'm still plugging along. I'm still, uh, I don't think I'm a name. I think I'm a recognizable face. And I think that's that's part of of my issue right now is is that I'm trying to bridge the gap between being a recognizable face and a household name, you know, because that directly affects what you get paid. <laughs> you know, um, and 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 then I think I think now my career is starting to move into some more more faith based kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been been getting offered faith based things. I have a a. a pilot season of a, of a series called Fragment that's coming out on Pure Flix. Um, I have a movie coming out in December called called uh, Bringing Back Christmas. And those are both faith-based projects. And, you know, I grew up in church, so it's kind of nice to be able to do that kind of stuff as well. And 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 the production values are getting better in those, in those types of projects. Mm, 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 mm. You, 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 and you mentioned, you said there's a lot of people who are actors and a lot of people who want to do the work you're doing. Um, but there's also a lot of people who have given up because it is, it's hard. Yeah. Um, I, I want to draw that direct distinction to, to, to for everyone to, to hear, hearing this and seeing this, to understand that that is again, cross all industries. There are a lot of people who want to do what you're doing. There's a lot of people who, who, who would dream to do what you're doing, but doesn't matter because they didn't stay with it, right? I, I, I know I'm not the best person who does what I do, um, but it's okay because the, the other people who may have been better than me didn't apply for the job. Those other people who may have been better may have said, you know, that was too hard. Maybe I'll go back to something that's more easy, that's easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all, we have to be willing to, if, if, this, if we're passionate about it, we're serious about it, you got to push through. Yeah, push through the pain. Thanks. If, 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 if it was easy, everybody would do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. would do it. Um, when I look back at my career, it's like I, from time to time I'll go into IMDb and take a peek and see, you know, what I've done, see if my, my numbers are up or whatever. And I look back and I go, wow, it's, it's been 37 years. Yeah. And I've yeah. done a lot of great projects. And, and there, there are people who would be ecstatic to have the career that I've had. And, but for me, I, f- I feel like I'm still just grinding along, yeah. you know, and yeah. I'm glad that I'm still here grinding along. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or replacement for family and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. I, I again, keep, keep dropping all these bombs. Um, I need everyone, seriously, and this is a really, really good practice. Um, at the very minimum, once a year, you need to take some time and just look back on your life and see what has, you've accomplished and, and the wins and so on and so forth. Because like you said, it's so easy to be caught up in the day-to-day just knowing it's a grind, just knowing it's a hard. 
is hard and you feel like, oh my God, have I, have I done anything? Was it worth it? Have I wasted my time? When you when you really accomplished a lot and we, we got to appreciate those wins, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it's, it's like um, that, that looking back to where you were helped shape where you're going. Mm. You know, for me, um, as a comedian, when, when I get ready to write a new set, I'll draw, write a timeline from my life. And I learned this from, I, I, I had a, I had an intense state of writer's block for lasted about two years. And a friend of mine, I posted online, you know, what would you want to hear me talk about? And I post, posted that online. And one of, one of my friends that last year I played football with was teaching a poetry workshop. And he says, hey, come to my workshop. So I went to his poetry wor- workshop. And one of the assignments was to write a timeline. You take a piece of paper and in the left, left side of the margin, you write the date you were born. The right margin, you write the present date. You draw a line straight across, make little hash marks up top for everything that you can think of that affected you positively throughout your life, everything you can think of. And then below the line, everything that you can think of that affected you negatively. And I give myself three or four minutes to do each, the, you know, up top, and then another three or four minutes to do the bottom. And then I pick a story and tell the story. And that's, and that's how I started writing a new act. And it's something right out of my life. And, um, but, but as I look back at all these stories and how the stories um, changed and have changed me, you know, that I think is, is where uh, as, as an artist, we grow because you get to a point where you can talk about some of these things that were life changing. <laughs> this is, this is so awesome. I, I, I love that exercise and I'm going to try it myself because this is something that's very similar to something else I do is like, I, I, I ask um, the audience to identify five or 10 if they got, if they got it in them, like horrible things that's happened in their life. Like what yeah. the things that you just, you were just in pain. It was uncomfortable, all those things and list them out. And then I want you to realize that you overcame every single one of them, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have a story that you can tell about resilience because you have overtly, you, this is not fanciful. This is not movie ushy gushy. This is real. You are here today, which means you had to have overcome it. What, what is that story you can tell yourself and others of you overcoming these these challenging times in your life. I, I, I love the chrono, uh, chronological timeline uh, example you use. That's really cool. Uh, you know, I had a friend in college who who gave me a bit of advice one time. I, w- I was really struggling. And um, uh, he said to me, he says, look, you know you're going to get through this. He says, it may work out the way you want it to. It may not. The thing you don't have control over is how long it's going to take. So why are you destroying yourself mentally worrying about it? Wow. And when you when you take that sort of attitude into your day to day, you know, control what you can control. You know, I can control what I'm going to do in this moment. I can you know, I can't control this thing that's looming. You know, I can't control the time that it's going to take for it to be over. But I can control my moment to moment each day. Wow. 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 Look, I, I, I need to I need to throw one more question at you before we, we head out. Um, I was asked the other day, um, you know, how do you get through challenging situations? How do, how do you stay positive and, and moving forward when you're working with people who are trying to pull you down, when you're working with people who don't want the best for you? And I can say without a doubt, I'm fairly confident that you've had to work with people that maybe didn't like you or didn't care for you. 
Um, but you had to do it with a smile because everyone's watching, right? How do you do this? <laughs> Couldn't let the Compton come out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on camera, anyways. Um, well, here, here's the thing. You got to get to the point where, one, you don't care what other people think or say or about you, right? You got to get to that point. You got to, it's like, that's their opinion. Whatever they say, whatever they think about you doesn't affect your day to day, right? The thing that affects you is if they're actively uh, trying to move some pieces around to make you fail. Now I got to step up and say something. Um, but but uh, in my career, I don't I don't know that I've had blatant instances of people trying to bring me down um, because I tend to get rid of the dead weight in my life. People are mm. are not there to be positive to help build up and strengthen. Um, you got to go. There's no room for you in my life. Um, this is a very tough industry to be in. It's a very hard way to make a living. And if you don't have positivity around you, then it, it makes it even more hard. So I try to surround myself with people who love and care for me as I love and care for them. You, uh, Chris, this, this is, I could not agree more. Thank you so much for sharing. And I love the word you use, love and care for. Um, uh, again, I use these references, but you know, Snoop Dogg was being interviewed the other day. And then someone asked him, what do you want? What's more important to you, respect or loyalty? And without taking a second to think about it, he said love. Mm. Because you know, the person who doesn't love you, you know, they're not going to respect you. And the person who's acting like they're loyal, if they don't love you, they, they, they'll, 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 they'll change the, with the wind. Um, it's, it's about love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris, I, last thing I'm going to put, I'm gonna put at you, I, I, I was debating if I could say this or not, but I think you're, you have a good sense of humor. Um, <laughs> were you meant to be in comedy, given your name is Mark Christopher Lawrence? Because it's so Mark Christopher Lawrence, Mark. Tin Lawrence, Martin Lawrence. See, see, see the, see the bridge there. I'm creating there. Martin Lawrence, you, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no relation there. Um, you know, he's, he's a very talented individual, um, and and you know, I admired the work that he did. In, in fact, my best buddy in college was was Tommy Ford. You know, we we were 100 percent of the uh, BFA acting program of our year. Uh, of, of the black population of, of that program at USC. And, um, you know, we always, if if we didn't talk for months at a time, we'd get on the phone and talk as if we spoke yesterday. It's like same with me and Lennon when we talk. It's like, it's like, you know, we talked yesterday. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I think, I think I was funny as a kid, you know, and I didn't know that that's what I wanted to do. I really thought I was going to be a lawyer. And when I got to USC, things changed. You know, a God puts you where he wants you to be. Kind Every time I've tried to get out of this, you know, it's like the door is slammed and God goes, no, no, you're doing this. Here's a job. Stay. <laughs> you know, my plan is not necessarily his plan. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, look, Chris, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to open the floor to you. I, I know um, you said uh, Spielberg is about to call you so you need to jump off. Um, is, is there anything you'd like to leave us with as we begin to wrap up? Um, you know, if, if you have dreams and aspirations that are unfulfilled, you will regret it. So if there's something that you're thinking about doing, stop thinking about it and do it. You know, get it done. Get out and give it a shot. Uh, worst thing that could happen is you find out you don't really like it. You know, 
So if you want to be a comic, get out there and get on stage somewhere. You want to be an actor, go and be an actor. You can you, you can do whatever it is. If you if you have the talent to sing, get you some training and sing. You know, don't leave your dreams and aspirations on the table. Preach, preacher. For God shall wipe away. Yes, sir. Every yeah. tip from die. Yes, sir. Get mm-hmm. ready. Okay, I couldn't start doing Kirk Franklin. Everyone, you know what the deal is. If you found value in today's conversation, please, please don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Don't keep it to yourself until they should have been here. Don't just look back, reach back, bring them to the table and bring the information to them. Share the video with them. Say, look, you know, I, I I heard what Chris and Alex were talking about today. You need to hear this. It, 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 it's set on my soul, on my heart. It made me think about the world differently. I think you need to hear this. So without any further ado, i like to say thank you to everyone for listening today. Thank you so much for being here, Chris. And as always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. See ya. Hello, and welcome to The Executive Appeal, a show that convenes the world's most powerful and successful leaders to share mentoring and career advancement advice to help you successfully transition into senior level executive positions. I'm your host, Alex Trumbull, award-winning speaker, author, and leadership expert with over a decade of experience coaching and advising some of our nation's most senior level government leaders. So if you're ready to reach your goals, let's get started.